Welcome to the Slow Train to Heck, a podcast about people sharing their stories of deconstruction, leaving behind toxic religious systems, and what happened next. I'm your host, Josiah Mahan. Today, I am speaking with Jax. Jax is from Ontario, and I'm excited to share her deconstruction story with you as she shares her insights on how her experience of Christianity, uh, she feels, robbed her of some important personal growth, which uh, I think a lot of us are going to be able to relate to, and how she's now, outside of her former Christian community, rediscovering herself and who she is. Uh, So yeah, as far as content warnings go this week, uh, there is some discussion around homophobia and white Christian colonialism, particularly as it pertains to Indigenous cultures and people. Um, So just want to make sure you're aware of that before we go in. Uh, But that's really all I have for the intro this week, so let's jump right over to the conversation. Okay, I'm here with Jax. She's from Ontario. She grew up in Simcoe County. Uh, She is an ex-evangelical in the process of deconstructing, and I'm so excited to have you on the show today, Jax. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, let's... let's jump into your story uh so christianity how how did that all start for you <laughs> uh definitely something i was born into um both of my parents uh were born again believers uh they met in high school and um they my father came from a very very christian background uh, my mother not as much but um both of them i think knew that that was something they wanted to instill in their children um so we, uh, I think right from birth, I was in the church. Uh, my fathers told me countless times, um, the church was actually built, uh, the one that we attended as kids, uh, it was actually built, uh, the year that I was born. So, um, he's told me countless times of, um, how he would walk me up the aisle. The roof wasn't even on the church. And he was always saying to himself, someday I'm going to walk you down this aisle with you in my arm and going to hand you over to the guy you're going to get married to. It's going to be wonderful and magical. <laughs> so it's just kind of like I've, I've literally been there since I was born. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've heard the term and it's been said on here before, a cradle Christian. Uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. So true. <laughs> uh, was there any kind of moment for you where it? It's like, okay, well, like now I'm saved. Like this is my salvation moment. Or was it more of like a, just kind of, that's how it always was. Um, I think there was times like my, my first memory really of understanding what Christianity was, you know, I had um, a conversation with my dad in the church pews when communion was happening. um, And he explained to me, you know, what the, what the body of Christ was and what the blood was. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. I I, want to do this too kind of thing. And, and like, that was my first sort of glimpse into making it my own, as they say. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I remember I, um, I was about six years old going to VBS and Um, I remember this, uh, lady, she was (laughs) showing me this really, really big nail. I think it honestly must've been for railway ties. Um, and she was showing it to the whole group and basically saying, this is what, uh, went through Jesus's hands and feet. Um, (laughs) and you know, that he did this for you because I guess, you know, because we are poor, decrepit people. (laughs) Um, 
And they were like, you know, and I just remember this sense inside myself, like, oh my gosh, like, I didn't want Jesus to do that, you know, like, I never wanted to put somebody through pain on my behalf. And I felt so bad. Um, And then so they asked um, the group of us, like, does, you know, does anybody want to, um, to become a Christian, essentially, do you want to ask Jesus into your heart? I thought, well, you know, my my sister did that and she got ice cream so <laughs> <laughs> why not you know and and uh, it seemed the next logical step so um i remember going into this little group huddle and praying with a leader and i totally kept my eyes open the entire time and i was just thinking about ice cream um so that was <laughs> maybe not like a real moment where like <laughs> my faith became real to me but certainly like that was beginning steps for me um my faith probably became more real to me at a later date um i remember um my first moment of realness was when i was about 12 years old i went to um acquire the fire in hamilton ontario Mm -hmm. um for the very first time i'd never been to any sort of large event like that and I don't know if you've been, but it's like, <laughs> it's not, not that one specifically, but it's very similar events I've, I've been to. Yeah. I know. I know the vibe. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's very intense, um, very emotional, spiritual, what have you. I like, and it's for two and a half, three days, like it's spread out across three days and it's just a lot to take in. Um, so I remember being there and it was probably the very first night where they, maybe the second one, but they had like, um, uh, Ron Lisa Donald, his speaking and everything. And then they had an altar call and it was a very emotional time for everybody. I think we were all pretty high on God as we always yeah. used to say. <laughs> um, and I just felt like, like this arrow kind of shoot into my heart is what I've always described it as. Um, and I was like, I think God is calling me to go kneel down and recommit my life to him because I was never like sure if I was saved, you know, because I, I didn't have that serious of a first (laughs) asking Jesus into my heart kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I was thinking, oh, oh God, you know, not me. I don't want to go down there. Like, I don't want everybody's watching me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And before I knew it, I was like standing on my feet and I was walking down to the front and kneeling down and like crying with everybody and recommitting my life to Christ. And um, and that for me just, um, it felt like finally something spiritual happened, I guess. And, And I thought, okay, this is it. I am, I am a, born again Christian this is my life and I'm gonna follow God for the rest of my life like that was just what I thought was gonna happen next and and honestly like even my mother said like after that event she could tell there was a change in me (laughs) yeah like rubber meets the road now 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 this is you right you you've you've taken on the beliefs of the community and now they're yours yeah yeah exactly what uh what kind of beliefs were um the common beliefs in your community as you know as compared like were you you know calvinist or um you know charismatic or you know speaking in tongues that kind of stuff or what what were some of the beliefs that that you held at the time 
Um, well, I, the church that I grew up in was, um, like an evangelical Baptist church. Um, so there wasn't a lot of, um, there wasn't a lot of charismatics. There wasn't a lot of like Calvinistic views, but like, um, there was definitely like, I, I don't know. I haven't really examined like every single denomination's beliefs, but I feel like Baptist is a lot of like maybe in the older style Baptist was a lot more hellfire and brimstone. I'm not <laughs> sure if I'm yeah. on the right track with that, but like, um, at least for me, I felt like pretty well all the time targeted by every single sermon. Like, um, I was a bad person and that I needed to do all these things in order to not go to hell kind of thing. Um, so I think doctrines of damnation were maybe a big thing. Um, but yet it was it was kind of one of those things where it was very confusing to the mind because you would get that in a more of a passive aggressive kind of way um and the the more direct message is we are saved by grace you know Mm -hmm. and that was very confusing for me to wrap my head around because everybody's telling me that um you know there's this loving graceful merciful god um but at the same time, we've done absolutely nothing to deserve him and we are worthy of hell. And I was, I was very, very, I don't know, torn up about that as growing up. Yeah. The, the idea that you as a human are just, yeah, not worthy of these, of these things, the, of good things just because yeah. you're human. Yeah, and I think that there was, um, because of that, there was a lot of emphasis on being perfect. Um, like, I remember being being a kid um, and being, like, take, being taken to um, a, a family member's house. And before we would even get, like, out of the car, it was, like, we were told by my parents, like, you have to behave beyond your best behavior. Like, don't do this, don't do that. And you know, we, we were really good kids. We were, were like never going to actually misbehave, but it was like a talking to on top of an unnecessary talking to. <laughs> a and, preemptive um, talking to. <laughs> yeah. And there was just so much pressure to, to be that perfect um, kid and, you know, don't get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and when you couple that with the guilt from, like you mentioned when you were six, learning about railway spikes being stabbed through somebody's hand and it's it's your fault it's so violent (laughs) um and and i think a lot of that i i didn't realize until i started down this deconstruction path was like how violent things were um even like that passage about i think it's elijah or elisha like where you know the bears come out and attack the kids because he, he was made fun of for being bald. <laughs> like, oh yeah. my goodness, why are we telling these stories? <laughs> yeah, that I struggled so much with that one, even when I was in it. And I, I taught youth group and I taught that passage. And ba- I remember being like, you know, here's why it's justified. <laughs> Here, here's why those children deserve the bears. <laughs> Which now I'm thinking like, Honestly, if I like, I don't have my own children yet. But if mm. if I did, I I would never want them to ever feel like there was that much pressure um, that they had to be that perfect. Right. I think there's so much beauty in being a flawed human and learning as we go. And we're all on a journey, and it's it's 
not over yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and mistakes and and figuring it out is all part of that process of yeah of just existing. <laughs> yeah, and I think when there's that much pressure um, from you know uh, whether it, it's faith believing parents or the church itself, um, it can be hard to actually. Um, be authentic as a person um, and you kind of find your identity in behaving as as you know the good Christian girl or the good Christian boy like mm-hmm. um, and and then you kind of lose who you are as a person you don't at least I found I didn't really develop a personality at <laughs> all <laughs> I, I'm so boring you know? <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I'm like, now I'm in my thirties and I'm still tr- like, oh, okay. Who am I? And like, like, who is Jax, you know? Yeah. That's a, that's a really interesting point. This, that your identity is so wrapped up in the church and those beliefs and that you build your entire self around that. And then when that's no longer a factor, what's left, it's this, and I think in reality for us, like what's left is what was always there, but we don't necessarily know what that is because we've mm-hmm. never had permission to explore that. Exactly. Yeah. We're always, we are always supposed to be sort of like ready to be on stage, almost like um, performers in our own lives. And then who our real selves are, I think took a backseat to that. Um, and then it, it's kind of like a shock when you realize, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm grown up. I have to, I have to have all these uh, responsibilities of my own and I have to decide who I am now and deal with the, the trauma. Yes. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Um, what was, because uh, you're talking about, you know, having to mask yourself when you're what what was your community like did were you were you pretty embedded in there like you had lots of friends in the church did you have any friends outside the church that oh definitely not outside the church (laughs) um (laughs) no um i the way i grew up was very interesting um like i i was at the same church my entire life um and i kind of grew up with with the exact same people but it was like we all knew that we grew up together and it was never like 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 you never met the person for the first time they were always there so you didn't really know them at all mm-hmm. um and and i'm not typically a very social person so i didn't you know i didn't connect with anybody in the church <laughs> um so my connections would normally have been through school, but um, I actually had a completely messed up education. Um, so I, I didn't really make friends anywhere. Um, I, I was homeschooled for a little bit um, and I went to public school for a little bit um, and I did online school for a little bit. <laughs> it was just all over the place, basically changing schools every single year um my mom told me that like later on she told me that oh well I thought you know if you had the stability of this exact same house growing up and the exact same church that you would turn out okay I'm thinking "Mm, I don't 
tomorrow about that. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely didn't have a community. I think the only area that I really had community growing up was um, uh, when I turned 15, 16, I started volunteering at overnight Bible camp. Um, that's where I started to connect with people and um, like you're still in that Christian bubble, right? Um, and and it's teenagehood, so everybody has a crush on everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of those, um, you know, those fun summers, but it wasn't like um, like I had a community outside of the summertime. No, not really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I worked at a summer camp as well for for many years, and the, the, we would joke about the bubble. And yeah, yeah, you it it's just another type of bubble <laughs> outside. It's, it's just another extension of the church for sure. Oh, definitely. For sure. Yeah. So, um, given all that, so you're embedded in this community, you've been raised from a young age with the guilt of having somebody die because of you. Uh, and then having this, um, altar call moment at acquire the fire uh and then um you're you're in it you're you're passionate you're uh you're on fire <laughs> for uh you you've acquired that fire that they talked about <laughs> mission oh, accomplished yes. <laughs> what where did that go for you uh, what what happened next with that well i think i maybe took things to the extreme um with with my newfound faith um one of the things that i had struggled with before i came to uh that altar call moment um was i had like at a young age discovered um i guess we'll call it self <laughs> self pleasure mm -hmm. um and I had no idea zero idea what that was and as we all probably know like there's not really any sex ed in in um in the church oh definitely not. um <laughs> so i didn't know what this was i didn't feel like it was something i could actually talk to my family about uh, or my parents um so all i all i knew was that i felt guilty about it and i, I didn't know why um and when when you're raised in that like church culture I picked up somewhere along the way that that view where like anytime you do something sinful, um, you you are putting a, a brick wall between you and God. Um, I'm sure you've probably heard that analogy, yeah. but like it was like every time you sin, you are placing a brick between you and God and you are um, building a wall and it's very hard to tear down. Um, and again, with the guilt that, that comes with that, like I was one of those kids that would pray um any every single moment that i did something wrong and even if i hadn't done something wrong you know just pray just to be sure to ask for forgiveness like because i was so afraid of going to hell um so after this altar call moment um where i was like 12 13 i i swore off any any sort of sexual ability thing like i was um i i was reading um oh what's that book called every young woman's battle oh, that yeah. was like that was like in secondary for me to the bible like <laughs> so uh, that was that was my my other bible um 
and I, I basically swore off anything sexual. I was like, I'm not going to kiss anybody. I'm not going to touch anybody. Not until my wedding day. I'm not even going to hold hands. Like, <laughs> I am going to be perfect. Um, because you because you didn't want to put more bricks in the wall. Yeah, like, and I, I was, and I just like what, and I said, I, I did that whole oh. Oh my gosh, it's so cringy. I did that whole like I'm gonna date God thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I wish you know that's like <laughs> I think a lot of I got a lot of looks from my friends who maybe weren't as entrenched as me. They're like, "You're you're weird for thinking about doing stuff like this." But I was like, "No, like we gotta follow the rules. Like we gotta we gotta." Um, you know, be in a relationship with God and make him our, our boyfriend and whatever. And oh my gosh. So <laughs> that coupled with like, yeah, I basically just had this really good, good girl persona, I guess. Um, you know, and I, I didn't hang out with anybody else. And I just read my Bible like every day, nine o'clock at night. <laughs> that was me. Um, so you're, so you're like fully, fully entrenched in this you you like you said the good girl persona which again is that is that sort of i get you persona that isn't actually you but that you've you've uh placed on yourself in an effort to please the community um how long did that last was there was there a moment was there an inciting event that caused that persona to start to start to fracture um, well, underneath it all, I always felt like, you know, there was something missing. Um, and like, obviously my critical thinking skills were probably at zero, so I couldn't <laughs> really find out what was missing. Um, and, and, you know, I, I spent, uh, two years at Bible college, um, you know, trying to find myself, trying to follow, follow the rules kind of thing and I thought okay well you know the natural lead up for a good Christian girl is to go to Bible college or bridal college as we call it <laughs> and you know get my empress <laughs> like <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna find that that good farm boy husband and he's gonna be that godly man that you know leads me um exactly where I'm supposed to go you know still trying to follow rules um and that even being at Bible college there like um, I, I still didn't feel like I was in the right setting for me. Like I, I still felt like all these people around me were having all these spiritual connections. Like they were all better than me. And, and I just felt mournful at the state of my own soul because I'm, I was just not experiencing any sort of connection with God. Like, um, I tried and tried and tried and, and, um, you know, there's that verse, I think in Psalm 27, I think it is where it just says like, um, the Lord said, like, seek my face. And my heart said to him, like your face, oh Lord, I will seek or, or something mm -hmm. like that. And that was just something I clung to. Like I was constantly seeking God and he wasn't there. <laughs> um, and that for me, like, was probably the starting point of my questioning, like just spending way too, too long looking for God and not, not finding like a connection with him. Um, and then I think the, the big 
thing for me, actually, um, just going back to this whole good Christian girl thing was um, I uh, logged into plenty of fish and started a dating profile um, because my friend assured me like, you know, there's good Christian guys on there. And I'm like, are you sure? Um, and I actually met somebody on there and I thought like, okay, now I have to screen him. Right. Because when we're growing up in the church, like we have to, um, <laughs> I, I kind of made like a prayer checklist for my husband. I was like, okay, he's got to meet all these things. Right. Um, and so I was screening, screening this guy who actually did end up becoming my husband. Um, and I, I was like, okay, he didn't grow up like I did. He grew up in the Anglican church. Um, and so right away that's, that, that, like piqued my curiosity a little bit, I think, because I'm like, oh, you grew up a little bit different from me, but you still believe the same things. Like, um, and I, I really grilled him. I'm, I'm so ashamed. I grilled him on his faith and what his beliefs were, because I'm like, I have to make sure he's the right kind of Christian. <laughs> um, and, um, the poor guy, he was so patient with me. Um, I think it was like 11 months of dating, and I would just kept flip-flopping back and forth. I'm like, I don't know if this is what God wants for us. Um, and he was like, you know what? I, like, it, here's your ultimatum. Like, either love me for me and not try to put me in the Christian box. Or, you know, this this is the end for us. And I was like, I'm not ready for that. So <laughs> I guess, um, yeah, we've, we've been together for a while now. And we're married now. So it obviously worked out. But um, he gave me that safe place. Um, for the first time in my life to actually critically think and as well connect with somebody who grew up completely different than I did. Um, so that's when all the questions sort of were able to freely start. Um, and then it was about a year after I started dating him. So not long after I, he gave me that ultimatum, it was probably like a month after, um, my sibling, um, decided to come out of the closet to my parents. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> um, which, in retrospect, I should have seen coming. Um, you know, he was always wearing dresses. Um, but, I, you know, I never, I never, I never thought that that was who my, my brother was. Um, and, um, and so, yeah, I was there the day that uh, my parents got that message. And, I saw like I, I was I remember just standing there in the kitchen hugging my mother while she was crying because I guess she was in shock. Um and I just kept thinking to myself in that moment, like, what's what are we crying about? Um, you know, like like my my brother whom I love has found somebody that he loves, and that that's a beautiful thing. What what are we crying about? Um and I'm, I'm sure, like, we probably had similar backgrounds, like, where, you know, it was preached that, you know, homosexuality is a sin, mm -hmm. like, it, and it was also preached a lot of the time that it was a choice. And, right. And, and I just think back on who I was um, pre-deconstruction days where I was, like, I didn't, I, I viewed things that way. Mm -hmm. And... And I'm so, you know, ashamed of myself now for, for judging other people. Um, because I think, 
I think when something like that happens to you, it, it's kind of a catalyst and it, it's, it's like changes your perspective on a whole demographic of the community. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a lot easier to think, you know, Oh, sinner. Oh, it's a choice. Oh, it's, it's all these, all these things. Uh, when you don't know somebody, when you don't have mm-hmm. somebody in your life, when, when, you actually know the person, then it becomes real. And it's like, oh, I do I really think all these things about this person who I know and love? Um, and you have a choice to either, you know, modify your beliefs based on the person or cling to the beliefs and reject the person. Um, mm-hmm. And... Um, Unfortunately, for a lot of people, they still choose to reject the person, but you didn't, and yeah, <laughs> and that's great. And I mean, I've never had like a like a super close relationship with either of my siblings, but um, but I feel like um, th- there was so much more ability to be close after that because, um, like my brother was very open and honest about he who he was, and he was so patient and like. I was able to ask questions when, when it first happened, like, you know, Oh, so what is, what does that mean? And like, I probably sounded really dorky asking all these questions, but I had no idea. Like what, what is uh, somebody who's gay? Like, I don't know. Um, so, so he was so patient with me and we, I think we have a pretty good relationship right now. Um, and he's been there for me throughout this entire questioning deconstructing process. And, and like I remember one day just messaging him, be like, you know, sometimes I feel like I was raised in a cult, mm-hmm. and I'm brainwashed, I'm indoctrinated, and he's like, well, you were. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I was like, thank you, thank you for so much for being so so supportive. So yeah, yeah um, that was the that was a huge thing for me. Um, um, to start the deconstruction process, and uh, so the thing with my brother and with just um, meeting somebody who let me be safe and explore who I was and ask all the questions. Um, and then I think the only other thing that really um, struck me to start the deconstruction process was um, one day I just, <laughs> I, w- I was really, really having this like fear of going to hell moment. Like, and I, I was like, wait a second, do I even believe that hell exists? And I, I had this kind of pause and questioned myself. And I was like, I don't know if I do. Um, and then it was like kind of like almost this panic moment because I realized I've spent my whole life in fear of something that I don't know if I actually believe exists. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's true. The The it's so it's ingrained so deep inside you these beliefs that that you have even if you don't actually believe it the fear is still there um yeah yeah, which is it's a very fear-based uh religion it is Um, and i and, and there's a lot of control using fear i think um and and i think sometimes like there's so many good-hearted people in the church with good intentions and they don't realize how how much they're manipulating things with fear yeah yeah it's um you're right people don't 
people, the majority of people in the church don't think like, oh, if I tell you about hell, I'm manipulating you into agreeing with me. That's not mm-hmm. the type of thought process. It's more like, a, like a, oh my goodness, you're going to go to hell and I got to tell you so that you don't burn yeah. forever. <laughs> and now I'm like, I totally appreciate the genuine concern, but it's also so frustrating um, having these conversations with people who you know are still in that mentality who maybe haven't um, deconstructed. Like I, I talk... I talk a little bit to my mother about it, but I find it a very triggering topic. So I try not to. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, e- even though knowing my, my discomfort with it, she'll still say, Oh, can I pray for you about this? And I just have to let you know that Jesus loves you. And even though you don't like feel it and you don't really want to talk to him, he loves you. And, and it's like, Oh my gosh, I just really can't handle this right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hear you. People, I, I get that sometimes, and I always think, like, well, it would be great if he called me to tell me, but... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we had, the, we had this chat the other day where, um, you know, I was, I was trying to stick to my boundaries and be like, I really don't want to talk about this with you, but um, my mother said, like, that, you know... Jesus was very real for her because of a personal encounter that she had. And I thought, well, that's great for you, but he didn't encounter me. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I, 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 I would, I'd love to like be like, Oh, just I'll blindly trust you because you're my mother. And I have like for years put my parents on a pedestal because like when you're kids, you, you don't know that your parents are human. You don't know that they're right. flawed. Like, um, you just blindly trust that, um, you know, they're leading you in the right path. <laughs> and, and I was like, well, well I, I can't do that anymore. I need, like, I know, I know it's about faith and, and faith is like, uh, faith is that assurance of thing hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And it's like, I need some proof. <laughs> yeah. 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 No. I, yeah. That definition of faith just frustrates me a lot. Conviction yeah. of things not seen. Like what else in our lives do we even apply that to? Like we need proof for everything. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's frustrating. Um, I'm, I'm curious uh, around your whole questioning process and everything growing up. Uh, in that community questions how were they treated like did you did you feel like you could ask questions or did you ever ask questions growing up and have an experience related to that honestly I didn't feel safe to ask questions um like I I don't even remember necessarily being a very inquisitive person like I wasn't the kind of person that would ask why I just you know trusted that everybody had good intentions, but like anytime I did have my own personal opinion on something, it was always, well, that's not the way that we think. And, and if, if I said that this was my experience on something, um, I was being told, Oh, you're, you're too dramatic. That's not how it happened. And so I just didn't really feel safe to be able to ask any questions at all because I'm constantly being told, like, no, you can't trust yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Heart's deceitful and desperately wicked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and and that is so I'll use the word oppressive um, mm-hmm. to be in that environment and think, you know, I can't question the narrative because what's it going to cost me? Uh, yeah. Yeah. What like my, my friends, my, my relationship with my family, all that, the, the community. And like you said, you were embedded in that. That was the only community you knew. Um, mm-hmm. The cost is so well, high. It really is like, um, like I remember specifically one, one time I was, uh, just in a vehicle with my mother and we were asking, I'm sure you're going to see my mother pops up a lot in my story. (laughs) Um, but like, I, I don't know why we were talking about it, but I, I asked her, Oh, what did I ask her? Like, like, what if there is no God? I think it was. And that was pretty bold for me to ask. Um, I think we must have been talking about my brother and how he didn't believe in God anymore. Um, and and as soon as I asked her, like, well, you know, what if there is no God or whatever? What, what if I don't don't believe in God anymore? Um, <laughs> this panic kind of overtook her, and and. Um, it was kind of like, oh, well, no, you can't think that way. Like, it's going to be this way. And we had a five-minute drive home, and the entire way, it was like me reassuring her, oh, that that was a hypothetical question. I didn't mean it. It's, you know, like, I'm sorry I ever said it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it just did not feel like, okay, I can I can ask these kinds of questions, like, like even even if it was hypothetical it it's just like no you have to believe what we believe kind of thing yeah um yeah yeah it, it it's funny you mentioned the you know well you can't believe that because then this um and that was something very early on in my own deconstruction process i came across uh something uh called the argument from adverse consequences where basically it's you can't do x because then y and we don't want y so forget x um and i realized man this has been my whole life (laughs) it's well you can't question that maybe the flood was metaphorical because then that means evolution's true. And then if evolution's true, then what does that mean for Adam and Eve? And if uh, you can't believe in the Genesis narrative, then you can't believe in the resurrection. And then you're going to hell. <laughs> and oh, yeah. yeah, it's um, like you said, it's fear, fear of an undesired outcome, fear of the unknown. Yeah. I think that so, so many people are just raised in the church and, and they're comfortable there and, and questioning, they don't, they don't need to question because they're comfortable um, with this, this idea that like this emotional connection that they must have is God. Hmm. And for me, I'm more interested, like I've always felt like I just need to know the truth. I don't care what the truth is. If, if, if there's, if their church version is truth, um, that is totally fine. I will accept that then. That is the truth. But I need to find out what it is for myself and I don't want to rest until I've found it kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, so so if if their version is not, then I, then I would like to know that. Like, I'm still in this 
uh, questioning time of my life where um, one of the biggest questions I have is just, is God, is God real? And like, I'm at the moment leaning towards, okay, God must be real. But I don't think that, I don't think personally that he is anything like the God that I was raised with. Um, if, if God is actually real, he's sorely been misrepresented. Um, and then along with that question or along with that though comes the question, okay, why couldn't he better represent himself instead of letting all these people misrepresent him? Um, and I'm, I'm still working through on that one. Yeah, yeah, it's it's such a good question. Um, if there if there is a God and He cares about us, and it's important that we get God right, um, or or else, <laughs> whatever that means, um, you'd you'd think He would He would make sure His message got out there a little better than it has. Yeah, or or that he would stop things like um, his message being forced on people. Like uh, one of the other things that really spurred on in the last couple of years, my deconstruction was uh, the finding of that 215 Indigenous children in British Columbia, mm-hmm. um, which, like, when when we first found out that, I think my husband and I were both just just struck with how how horrifying that is that um, that an entire culture um, was so disrespected um, that they lost their culture because of, you know, essentially forced white colonial conversion therapy. Um, like uh, I'm, and, and I think a, a big part of the reason why that bothered me so much is because as part of my experience going to Bible college um, in the second year, um, we went on uh, mission trips and one, and in the second year you go on a mission trip for about five days to um, a reserve in Northern Manitoba. Um, And I experienced firsthand sort of trying to convert people um, in the indigenous culture. And I'm so so ashamed that that was even something that we did, you know, mm-hmm. um, it was a very, like what should have been, um, what should have been a moment of like, uh, our culture coming in and just like sitting and learning about their culture. Instead it was, we went in and had to try to win as many converts as possible. That's kind of how it felt like the pressure was on, like, to run children's ministries, to go and um, sing worship songs on their radio station, to visit the old folks in the home and like, like uh, preach a good message. Like, and there, there was none of that, just like sitting and listening and, and learning about, you know, maybe some of the struggles that they face or some of the prejudices that they face. Um, it was all about us and our ministry and, and, you know, getting those numbers. Um, so, it, it just the it suddenly occurred to me like just like with with the both the um my brother coming out and with the indigenous people um how much christians disrespect people who are different um and i decided i'm not okay with that um 
it's a huge human rights issue. Um, like we should, they always talk about like, you know, the, the homosexual agenda and nobody ever talks about like the Christian agenda, which is like, <laughs> yeah. get as many converts as possible. And before everybody goes to hell and the world ends, like, right. And yeah, I just think we would get so much further in life if we just stopped trying to force our beliefs on other people and, and we just respected everybody and embraced the differences. And that's kind of where I've ended up right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that's, that's a fantastic place to be. And I think it is encouraging for me too to hear you be okay with just living in the question. Um, I think for me, growing up, I, I had a similar experience to you in that, you know, that pursuit of perfection and perfection so important and perfect in behavior, but also perfect in doctrine and perfect in belief. And if you had a question, um, it wasn't okay to just have a question. You had to get the answer. One of the one of the things I remember growing up was like my dad telling me if if somebody asks you something and you and you don't know you say I don't know but I'm going to go find out. Exactly. Uh, oh, I heard that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't okay to just not know something. You had to be able to find the answer. And don't get me wrong, like go like search and and find uh, uh, and discover. That's awesome, but it's also okay with a lot of things to just not know, especially things that we maybe can't know. <laughs> like yeah, like like the existence of God, like like you really can't know that. I don't even you know if you know that when you die because because some people say that you just die in the ground and and that's it and you don't have an afterlife and so it's just kind of one of those things we have to be content with not knowing the answers. And that's hard when we're, we're so used to, to finding out as many answers as possible, like you said, and like, you know, um, the, the, the scripture is the word and like you adhere to it. And oh my gosh, like, <laughs> it's just, it's really hard to be content in, in the gray when we've been taught to think black and white. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And um, I I wonder sometimes, people that didn't grow up in the church, like, is it just cool for them all the time? Like, they're just like, yeah. Because for me, it's always like, oh, I got a question. And I am comfortable with living in the question. But deep down, there's just like, <gasps> like you got you to gotta figure it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there's like, like, even just... Um living with like I, I've been living with my husband's family since we got married since so a little bit before but we don't tell God that <laughs> <laughs> and um and like just the the difference in the way that he was brought up and the way I was brought up mm -hmm. like it's there's so many t moments where I I mention like oh really like that's how it goes because you know when I grew up it was like this and everybody looks at me and like you're weird <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's such a learning curve outside the christian bubble too like mm -hmm. um yeah 
I don't know, this is probably like really off topic, but like even the concept of anger, like in, in the Christian church, you were not allowed to show any signs of anger. Um, and like, I know in my own household growing up, like my father did have for quite a few years, some anger issues and, you know, it was always walking on tiptoes around him because you don't want to upset him kind of thing. Um, and like to go from that to, um, like being in my husband's family and they will yell at each other. Um, and, and they will yell loud and they will say like really like angry things and be like, well, whatever, do what you want then and walk out the door. And that for me was like quite shocking to experience the first time, but it was still freeing at the same time Mm -hmm. to, to say that like anger can be shown and it can, and it's, and it's okay to get angry. It's healthy even sometimes like to get that off your chest because then you can, like, when you're in that unconditional love situation, when you have that in a relationship, I think um, it makes it a safe place to express that anger, like there's security there. Um, and I think maybe when it comes to God, we don't have that same security, like, because there's always that threat that he could send us to hell if he gets angry enough. Um, so you can't get angry back. You can't ask questions because there's always that threat. It's not secure. Like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. You nailed it. (laughs) And first of all, that's not off topic. It's super on topic because yeah, that I, um, that is, has been a theme for me in my life as well. Uh, with anger and becoming, accepting of that as a useful and positive emotion rather than something you need to clamp down on. And I think to your point about, you know, God um, basically having a cosmic beat stick uh, if you step out of line and, and even maybe to some extent with, with uh, your father um, where we grew up in an environment where you were responsible for the reactions and emotions of other people and mm-hmm. other people and, and God. And I would imagine from what I understand as a woman, even more so responsible for the thoughts and behaviors of men around you. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, like e- even now, uh, I've been, you know, I haven't gone to church since probably like before COVID <laughs> thing. And, um, and even now my husband's like, your people pleasing is really annoying me today. <laughs> like, <laughs> because, because I'm, I like, he'll get frustrated with something and I see myself doing it. And I, I still can't quite stop it. So he'll he'll be mad at me for something. Like I think the, the other day I, I brought up um, like finances and he didn't want to talk about it. He just wanted to go on our walk, which we had scheduled all day long. We were going to go on a walk. And I was like, but I want to talk about finances now. And he got frustrated with me. And my my immediate reaction as this this people pleaser who's like trying to avoid anger and manage everybody's emotions i was like i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry please forgive me i'm sorry Mm -hmm. and like you know we've been walking for five minutes we left the car and (laughs) i was still like are you okay 
are, are we okay? Like, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's so hard to stop that reaction within yourself because we're so used to that. Like even, even as a kid, like watching, um, my, my, uh, dad got really angry one time, um, with our dog and, you know, he spanked her and he sent her outside because she'd probably messed up the garbage or something. And I was so upset by this because I, like thought oh like like she didn't deserve that and then so the next time we came home from being out somewhere and the dog had made a mess on the floor my immediate reaction was I need to go clean this up immediately before dad sees because I don't want dad to be angry Mm -hmm. and um what actually ended up happening was my dad came in saw me cleaning the mess and was actually really grateful for me for like, Oh, like, you know, thank you for noticing that, like, and cleaning that up. That's so helpful. Like, but he laid his hand on my shoulder and I burst into tears because I was just so afraid he was going to get angry and like that he was in, and, you know, I was trying so hard just to be that good little girl that cleans up and, and nobody notices me. Like, like, I'm just going to, manage everybody's emotions quietly (laughs) and it's it's not a healthy place to be and i'm Mm -hmm. still working on not being such a people pleaser but i think it does all come back to that you know trying to please and appease this angry god like Mm -hmm. i remember in bible college i was reading this uh book i i forget what it was called sorry but like they were they were they have this idea in the book that god is sitting in an office chair and his back is towards you and and we are just trying to you know perform this little dance um to get him to turn around and notice us and and be happy with us and like i just i feel that pressure so much uh when i was in i felt it when i was in the church like like you just you have to be you have to be perfect to get God's approval, to get his grace, which is the opposite of grace, really. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Very conditional, very, very not freely given. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. You need to meet this a set of criteria. Um, and yeah, yeah, it, it permeates your life because the church is your life. And how could it not? And it is so hard to to untangle that, but I think so freeing as well. Once you're once you realize I I don't have to do this anymore. A lot of unlearning to do, but yeah, yeah, it pops up in so many different behaviors, and and you really don't realize how how much it affects on a day to day basis. Um, you're kind of always being your own psychiatrist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, for sure, absolutely. Um, I'm I'm curious. Um, you you uh, alluded to it a little bit, but what was there a moment where you told your parents or your family that you no longer believe the way that you did? Um, um well, I think they can sense like just that I in the last few years before I got married that I was giving a little bit of pushback Mm -hmm. um like I wasn't content with um my my family meant well but they were very judgmental towards uh my husband and I and our relationship uh simply because of 
the background that he came from, it was very different from mine. Um, and, and I just had enough one day. Um, and, uh, I, like, I had been engaged to my husband for about three years almost. And I was just like, okay, okay, I would like to plan, you know, like maybe a backyard wedding this summer. Um, and I guess I caught, caught my mother at like a very bad time. I'm not sure, sure what it was. Um, but we just got in this big fight and, um, it was then I was just like, okay, I've been debating way too long. Like, is it right? Is it wrong to move in with my fiance at the time? I was like, I'm just going to do it. And I just left. Good for you. (laughs) Um, and, um, of course, then, you know, come the talks afterwards, like, um, you know, sitting down with them, we actually did plan the wedding because, um, because I guess they thought, well, um, well, she's living with them now, I guess, guess we'll have a wedding. (laughs) Um, we'll make it clean. I don't know. (laughs) Um, and then like, I had, I had like probably, during COVID was when I really found the deconstruction community. Even mm-hmm. I didn't know there was a label for it. I felt so lost and alone. Um, and just by fluke, I ended up on some deconstruction evangelical TikToks. Uh, I was like, thank you, TikTok algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, um, and yeah, like when, when, uh, I really started to get into it, um, then I did write, I wrote an email to my parents at first, um, just saying, this is who I really am. This is how I feel. Um, I feel like I kind of like need to take a step back from our relationship um, and focus on me. Um, cause, and, and like, you know, there, there was a part where I was like, you know, I don't even know if I can continue this relationship because it just feels so toxic mm-hmm. and just so so like like fully indoctrinated I, was, I just don't know if I can do this um and of course you know they tried to a little bit invade the boundaries they're like you know we just want to let you know we've read your email but we don't want to bother you and then you know a few days later some money shows up on my doorstep just just know that it's it's Christmas time and and you might might appreciate this but we're not trying to intrude mm-hmm. <laughs> um so then, yeah, I did, um, it was actually this past January, I did uh, end up sitting down with my parents. Um, and, you know, I really didn't want to talk to them about it at the time, because it's it's still so emotionally raw for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did let them know, like, you know, I'm not sure how I feel about God. I'm not even sure that there is a God. And by the way, on top of that, I might be bi. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, That's a lot. And yeah, it, and like, you know, they were surprisingly supportive. Um, you know, I, like, we did get into a little bit of like a theological debate kind of thing at one point. Um, because like, I'm like, no, this is the way it is. And they're like, no, this is the way it is. Um, and I kind of, finally just had to say you know what you guys are not at the place that I am at and that is okay um and uh, you know I I said I think I just need to go Mm -hmm. um so you know they hugged me we all cried I left but um 
like things with them are 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 good now like but it's just a topic that we cannot talk about yet because i'm just not at at the place yet yeah yeah that's that's totally fair and kudos to you for setting those boundaries because um that's a hard thing to do especially growing up in evangelicalism where boundaries are not really a thing (laughs) <laughs> and everybody's in everybody's business and God gave me a word for you and uh, God oh thinks you should do this. And yeah. So, so yeah. I remember just even like that. I don't know why that triggered a memory, but I remember the embarrassment of like, you know how we just prayed for everything in youth group. Oh yeah. I had this one day where like, you know, everybody told me growing up, totally off topic, but everybody told me that I was, like super super fat and whatever <laughs> and they were like trying to get me my whole life since childhood to lose weight Yikes. and I remember just being in youth group and I was so proud of myself I think I had lost like 10 or 12 pounds joining Weight Watchers and I was 11 I don't know and I just remember raising my hand for when they were like, does anybody have any praise requests? And I was like, oh, yeah, I lost 11 pounds. And they actually put it on the praise board. Wow. <laughs> they all looked at me weird, but they, but they prayed for it and said, thank you, God, for that. And I was like, oh, my God. The yeah, things we prayed for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, perfect example. No boundaries between people in those environments. Wow. I'm sorry you had to go through that. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, that, that's awesome. I, I, uh, I, I mean, you've kind of, uh, alluded to it already as well. Um, in terms of where you're at now, uh, you're kind of questioning, you're, you're, you're living in the questions. Um, how, how are you? (laughs) How, How do you feel? You've, you've been on a journey. This has been, this has been, a uh, big deal there's a this is a lot and how how are you now where you're at um i'm actually like in a a bit of an interesting area right now i would say um you know because so much of my life my identity was the church my identity was my relationship with god and like i i never wanted to lose that that was the most important thing to me and like now I'm looking for a new identity kind of, um, and I'm in a bit of a weird, like personal, uh, place too. Like, um, just, uh, this, this whole year, it's kind of like boom, boom, boom. I've had all these events, which have really made me question, like, who am I, where do I go from here? Um, and like, I, um, I recently lost my first grandparent, which was, um, Thank you. Uh, it was a really emotional thing for me. And, um, and so it's like, okay, like, all the things that were sturdy and stable in my life are kind of disappearing. Like, my faith, my faith is gone now. Okay. Um, what I wouldn't say gone, but you know, it, it's pretty well gone. And I never want to go back to church. I'm in that angry state. Um, and then, like, yeah, my, I've lost my, my, my uh, grandfather there. And then, um just uh the way circumstances worked my husband and i also made a pretty big move like about eight hours away from uh where i grew up and i have never moved in my life um he, he's moved a bazillion times but like for me um 
I have that loss of familiarity as well, like of familiar surroundings. So all of a sudden I'm like, I need to find a community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's probably why I'm leaning so much on my, my deconstruction Instagrams and TikToks and all that, yeah. because that's where I'm finding a community of people who understand um, exactly what I'm going through. So like there's a loss of self, but I'm also finding myself mm-hmm. um, and I'm learning to question, okay, who is Jax outside of the church and what are her interests and hobbies? Um, because before I just wanted to be like that, um, that perfect housewife. Um, (laughs) I was like, what, I have to pursue a career. I just, I just want to like, like have children and be a good cook for my husband. And like, we'll, we'll have Bible studies every night. Like now I'm like, okay, that, that was a good identity for, for the, the before deconstruction, but what about now? Um, and that's kind of where I'm, where I'm leaving it today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's awesome that, that you, and, uh, it's, it's hard. Um, but I'm, I'm glad that you now have the opportunity to figure out who is Jax. Cause, um, yeah, I mean, just from this conversation, I'm pretty sure Jax is a pretty incredible person and a, and a, and a very strong person. Uh, and to have gone through that and to be where you are and, and yeah, it's not easy. And um, so, yeah, kudos to you. Aww, <laughs> the, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I, I really appreciate you coming on. Jax, it's been so good to get to hear your story. Um, and um, as you work towards finding yourself and and finding out what life is uh, on the other side of, of that that brick wall, <laughs> um, I yeah, all the, all the best. And uh, <laughs> I yeah, I wish all the, all the good things for you. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad Jax was able to come on and share her story, and I'm really glad she mentioned how the online deconstruction community has helped her feel less alone, because I feel the same way. Uh, It's such an inherently isolating thing to question the beliefs of your community. Um, Not only is it so, so difficult to be open to others in your community about your questions, because of a variety of reasons you can probably imagine, like fear of repercussions, for one. Um, but it's so hard to explain to those outside your community, too, why what you're going through is actually a big deal. Um, people that haven't grown up in it sometimes don't really get it, and it, it's hard to explain it in a way that makes sense. Um, but that's why I've really appreciated getting to know folks in the larger deconstruction community online and through doing this podcast. Uh, because it's so great to know you're not the only one dealing with this stuff. You're not crazy for struggling with it. And that, yeah, what you're going through is actually a big deal and it is worth talking about. So thanks for bringing that up, Jax. And thanks for coming on and talking about it. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate it. Next episode, uh, we have it on July 27th. 
uh, I will be speaking with Zach Schrader. He is a psychotherapist based in Toronto who has uh, a primary area of focus on people who are working through the effects of their religious upbringing and the effects that it's having on them as adults, and especially the LGBTQ2S community and untangling all the damaging messaging that gets instilled into uh, those folks by religion. Uh, he shares his own story um, and talks about religious trauma and how damaging religious messaging we get as children can affect the ways we navigate life as adults. And yeah, it's it's really great and really informative conversation. Uh, I really enjoyed it. So I hope you check that out on July 27th. And that's all I got for this week. So if you want to get in touch with me, whether to say hi, give feedback on the show, or if you're in Canada and want to share your own deconstruction story, I am on Instagram at Slow Train to Heck, Facebook Slow Train to Heck, or email slowtraintoheck at gmail.com. This has been the Slow Train to Heck. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.